Welcome to Intelligoji, the podcast with Tracy Browder. It is Saturdays with Stephen, so that also means that I have the wonderful Stephen Hurley of Voice Ed Radio with us this morning. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? Tracy, I am great. It's Saturday. It's a little bit cooler here in the north. Uh, we've gone through a bit of a heat wave the past few weeks, and um, my air conditioning system decided to shut down last Saturday. It's still not fixed, but we've got the windows open, so like a breath of fresh air. It's just... It's a wonderful day. Wow. Now I have to ask you <laughs> from <laughs> the Canadian's perspective of a heat wave, because Pav was telling me the other day that it was extremely hot in Canada. I'm in Texas. What is your definition of extremely hot? Well, it's as they say in Canada, uh, as they say in Ontario, it's really not the heat, it's the humidity. Uh, but it, uh, we were getting temperatures. Uh, now we are using the Celsius system. So what would 35, 36 degrees Celsius be? Um, I'm going to do the translation for you right now. Uh, that is going to probably say, oh, that's not hot. Um, 36 degrees Celsius would be my calculation, a uh, 96. Okay. That, that's, that's Texas warm, but when you add that layer of humidity, oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> yeah, humidity, uh, and and it's fine if you are outside and then you come in and uh, the, the interior temperature is a little bit moderated, but mm -hmm. uh, it was, uh, it was uh, when I got home yesterday, it was 89 inside, so... That's what we've been putting forth for the past week. So let's dive in. Um, listeners, if you have not tuned in on a Saturday with Intelligoji the podcast, I encourage you to go back and catch some of the previous episodes with Stephen Hurley. He is the chief catalyst at Voice Ed Radio. Um, and, and it's an amazing radio station that uh, delves into deep thinking conversation. We began three and a half years ago, almost to the day, uh, primarily talking with other educators. And that that uh, ecosystem has expanded over the past three years. So now uh, I'm, I'm uh, having the opportunity and others are to speak with artists and, and authors and politicians and policymakers, anyone who, uh, who cares about education. Uh, and we, and if they don't care about education, we try to get them to care about education. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we really believe that uh, education is a public good and every child should have, must have access to quality, high quality education. It should not be, uh, it should not be determined by zip code, area code, or monetary status. It is a human right. Absolutely. It is so a human right. And we really need to get back to that. And I think COVID-19 has revealed um, what a lot of people have kind of just put into a closet that that um, disparity and equity is still a very real thing. And we've chatted about that before. So today um, we are delving into relationships and um it's, it's just been stirring in me lately, and, and this is kind of where I'm going to focus the podcast probably for quite a while. Um, there, there's at the core of anything you can think of, it's relationships. And 
you know, when I was thinking about it, I'm like, there's personal relationships, there's professional relationships, there's spiritual relationships, and 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 so many other layers of relationships. If you're if you're pursuing per, uh, personal growth, then there's different parts of the personal relationship involved, and COVID nineteen and the racial crisis that we're in right now, at the core of both of those are different types of relationships. So no matter what I can think of, no matter how I process this, at the very heart is relationships. So I, I mentioned this to, to Stephen and um, it, it kind of pulled on your heartstrings too. So tell me, Stephen, why, why does this topic resonate with you as well? I think, uh, you know, given where we are in the history of humankind, uh, the 21st century uh, of marked time, uh, I think we are getting to the point where it is is becoming easier and easier to forget about, uh, and I'm going to use another theological term, um, the sacredness, the sanctity, if you will, of individual human beings. Because the population in the world has become so large and because we are now living in such a globally well connected uh, through technology world, uh, that uh, it's it's on the one hand, it's difficult to keep track of all of our relationships and even to think about all of our relationships. And I think back to my own neighbor growing up in a in a small suburban neighborhood. We kind of knew everybody. We had small um, schools. We had smaller uh, classes. Uh, we kind of knew people. But now we have connections with people all over the world in different contexts. And I think one of the tendencies that technology has done is it, it's allowed us to um, aggregate um, those relationships to to and and to classify them and to um, superficialize them uh, and and. We like the we like the language of relationships. We like friends, and we like being liked uh, and favorited. You know, those are that's the language of relationship in a sense. But I think we're we run the risk of losing sight of the sanctity of you and I connected. If that if you know if you know what I mean, Stephen. Oh my goodness, um, I think about that all the time with particularly our younger generation. And, and, you know, my son is one of my sons is 19 years old and everything they do is for the most part centered around technology. And, and I mean, when we have acronyms now based on technology, the fear of missing out, Mm. um, what, what have we done to, the generations to come when when their everything is social media and and based on those likes that you mentioned dislikes followers that this false image because especially well not especially I was about to say especially young people but I think adults or some mm. adults are guilty of this too putting putting the best forward on social media. You know, there, there's this this perceived image that kids don't understand that what they see on social media, it, it, there, there's so much more going on in that person's life than what they actually see. Um, but kids don't really get that. So what damage are we doing to our to our younger generations? 
Well, you know, it's it's interesting you say that because uh, I and I'm sure every generation will have things to say about those kids and those adults and, and that generation. Uh, but I think we're in a we're in a different time now, and I think. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed in my own life is the, um, I'm not sure it's the breakdown of community, but there's just so many communities that we're, that we're called into, and it's difficult to, uh, to negotiate and navigate that. And I think the response is, and it could be from a place of anxiety, it could be from a place of, of being overwhelmed by it all. We don't engage in as deep a way. And, and, uh, I've been thinking a lot about, uh, well, two things, but I'll, I'll mention one of them now, and that's the intentionality. Because I think uh, we can be related to someone. We can be related because we're on the same team or in the same family or in the same class. So we're, we're um, automatically brought into a relationship because of a category. But I think relationship and strong relationships, we actually have to intentionally invite another person in or be invited in and accept that invitation. And I'm, I'm thinking back on a time when I was younger and uh, I was looking for friends. Well, we didn't have social media at that time, right? But you would actually go up to someone's door, knock on their door, and invite them to be your friend. I can remember asking a number of people in the neighborhood, would you be my friend? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that uh, invitation is really important. I mean, now we wait for people to friend us, right? <laughs> we, and the, But it's not the same. Uh, it's, we actually, I'm, I think we're missing out on that physical invitation, that calling someone into a relationship. And, and, you know, Stephen, I, I think in a sense, in a small sense, um, COVID-19 has, I'm not going to say has changed that, but I think, I think the younger generation has gotten a, a tiny sliver of the importance of the human connection, um, you know, with so many of us being in the or having been in the shelter in place kind of lockdown mode, if you will, there was the absence of some of the relationships as kids know them, our younger people know them, the relationships at school, the relationships at work, the social setting relationships, the athletic and extracurricular relationships, and all of those things were gone. So on the one hand, kids had to rely, I think, even heavier on technology to stay connected, but they got to see the absence of human relationships as they know them. Not, I, I still don't think the relationships are nearly as genuine and authentic as what you just said, that power of going to knock on the door. But for once, for once, they got to realize and see the actual absence of that regular, consistent human interaction. I think you're right, Tracy. Yeah, I, th- I think you're you're right about that, and it's it's interesting. One of the books that I picked up after reading uh, an article this week, I went to my bookshelf and I knew exactly where it was. Although I haven't picked it off my bookshelf probably in about ten years, uh, it is uh, from a, a Jewish philosopher. 
Martin, Martin Buber, and it's called I and Thou. And uh, basically his premise in that, in that book is uh, that there are two types of relationships uh, that the I has, and the I being me, and your I would be you. Uh, it, it's either I to it or I to thou. And I think that gets back at that, that whole, um, you know, relationships are kind of holy ground. Uh, so that if we, if we, if we relate to something or someone as an it, as an object, uh, that is different than relating to them as a thou. And there's a whole philosophy and, and, and a whole lot of writing underneath that. Um, but that's what I've been thinking about. And whether it's my, my own family, the way I relate to my own kids or my partner or my neighbor, uh, and, and it's just, just an example of something that happened this week. Uh, my neighbor, uh, two doors down who I have passing conversations with, we're both educators, we're both retired he walked by on his evening walk. Um, I have a socially distanced uh, porch. In other words, I've got my uh, chairs socially distanced uh, uh, measured. And I invited him up. Um, and he had, I had never done that before. I had never done that before. Uh, and we shared a glass of wine and we shared a lot of conversation and we laughed and we talked about uh, what we're, we're doing in our retirement and what we're passionate about. And it was amazing. It was amazing. And so I think, you know, to your point, this time uh, in our history has, has opened our eyes to the importance of that social, as Stuart Shanker said yesterday, social cohesion. And I really think that can be a point of a, a leverage, a lever for the change that we want to see if we allow it to if we allow it to and that's huge Stephen. and and my my concern and my hope is that we don't quickly go back to normal whenever there's a vaccine whenever the 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 wrath of covid 19 ceases and settles um that that we don't just rush back to that fast-paced world and 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 there's a huge part of me Stephen, that says you know they will. I mean, you know we will. You know that's going to happen. But I just hope people don't forget. And and so my question to you, Stephen, when you just gave such a beautiful example of, you know, this is this is your home, this is your residence, this is where you live, and there's someone just a couple of doors down who has the exact same um, professional pathway that you have, which is already kind of a, a connection, but just due to our everyday and being busy, you never really even thought about taking the time to connect. And so when you talked about it, you you said you were intentional, you, you, you invited him. And that's what you mentioned previously. It's the art and the beauty of the invitation, but we have to be intentional and think about that. And so I think my question to you is those moments that you shared on the porch, it seems like now I could see that being a, a nice, normal weekend, cool afternoon kind of thing that you and your neighbor do. And and you've just created a new relationship. Um, ha, have you thought about, and I, 
I don't think it's cliche, but have you thought about like next steps, even with just that neighbor? Uh, yeah, well, actually, it's funny you say that because we did talk about that because we both commented on the fact that we've lived an, uh, two doors down from each other for almost 14 years now. And this is the first time that this has happened. And uh, we were talking about the neighborhood. And I said, you know, when we're allowed to, I think we need a street party. And uh, we need to, uh, and and there was a uh, a gentleman up in, well, I guess about an hour outside of where I live, who runs uh, the Tamarack Institute, and it's a it's an institute uh, that facilitates uh, community dialogues and uh, and community change uh, projects. And he, in his book, uh, talked about moving to that neighborhood, and the first thing that he did as a neighbor, he knocked on every door in that neighborhood and he invited them to a party and it was going to be a street party, a community party. And he would not set the date until he found one that everyone could and was willing to attend. Wow. And it's been going on for years. <laughs> so, so yeah. It all starts with intentionality. There's, there's a similar story. Oh gosh, I forgot where, I forgot where this lady lives, but she uh, bought a bench and put it in her front yard. And it may have been a picnic table. I think it was a picnic table. And she sat it in her front yard and would invite a neighbor over. And so it, it became this trend that just took off in several states. And, and I, I can't remember if it was called like the the term, the picnic table or the bench. It was something like that. And people were posting pictures of their picnic table in their front yard and, and having those conversations and inviting the neighbors. And I really wish, and I know social distancing is a factor now, but I really wish that we would continue this this path of reconnecting and not even reconnecting simply connecting with our community because you know in our younger days that that was that was the norm playing with friends being at being at a neighbor's house sun up to sundown um you know playing ball and and jump rope and all of those wonderful things um created lifelong friendships and i feel like the younger generation misses out on that a little bit um the the beauty of establishing those lifelong friendships. And I know there are other opportunities and other ways they can do it, but there's such a big chunk missing and it's that intentionality and it's that, that connection and, and the invitation. Those are the things that are missing. And I, and I think it points to an essential question that I was writing uh, about uh, this morning that, uh, when we think about returning to school, when we think about moving forward uh, in September or whenever we decide to do that, is the fundamental purpose of school to um, promote success in the economy? In other words, are we training economic units and participants or is the primary purpose of school to teach people how to be in the world? And I don't mean to set up a false dichotomy, but I think we need to honor one over the other. If we and whatever one we honor is is where um, our energy will go. 
So if in returning, uh, our our primary uh, goals and purposes relate to wellness, individual wellness, uh, and social wellness, that's going to be a whole different scenario. And our and the opportunities that we embrace and pursue and and seek out in in going back to school are going to be different than if we're just training kids to get jobs. You know, that whole human capital over over relationships, like are we just seen as um, it's it's economy based versus um, relationship based, which is what we're talking about. And it's a means to an end, you know, get 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 kids and educators back in school so that we can um, and, and, and there's a business side to it. There's not the, there's no mention of the relationships, the social emotional piece. Um, and, and that's a, oh gosh, we could, we could really delve into that. Um, but, you know, and, and no matter how we, no matter how the return looks, um, what is missing is the discussion about the relationships. Uh, whether it's virtual, whether it's blended, whether it's in person, um, there, there's not enough discussion about the relationship piece. And and honestly, um, rebuilding relationships, um, there there's a lot of things that are broken, I think, because of COVID-19. And uh, we, we have to address that. And there were a lot of things broken before COVID-19 that, that we know more about now. And I'm, you know, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, about the other relationships in our community that are important as well, and how uh, you know reimagining uh, life in our schools in the next couple of years. If we uh, if we go to, for example, a hybrid uh, model where we're you know encouraging kids to be at home or online, uh, I, I I know they're they're they don't have to be the same thing, but who else in our community could act as a relationship? Uh, builder, partner in those online moments. It doesn't have to be that classroom teacher all the time. That's a lot of pressure to put on a classroom teacher. But what if what if uh, our students were connected with virtually uh, with people in the community? For example, uh, people in retirement homes who may be uh, lacking those relationships as well or, or are suffering from lack of strong relationships. What if kids jumped online to connect with, uh, you know, other people in the community that might might benefit? So that it it's we're we're actually we're actually reaching out. Um, so we become more amoeba like than paramecium like, you know. So that you know the the pseudopods uh, stretch out into the ecosystem as opposed to just you know this class moving through the next years like we have been uh you know since schools began and 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 that selflessness piece and and realizing Stephen, what you just said really is talking about um what relationships are suffering because of COVID-19 um, and, and those retirement centers, uh, people can't go in. And, and so that, that's one of the, the, one of the most vital pieces, how, how they light up when people come to visit. And, and so you're talking about selflessness of, of 
of educators and students and, and being those creative thinkers and the culture workers and, and really figuring out ways to go beyond the walls. You and I have talked about that before, be innovative and, and really cultivate other relationships. Um, and, and I just, wow, what a powerful way to do that. And we have that opportunity and, I think it's incumbent upon us to seize and explore some of those options. I'm really glad that you brought that up. Well, and, you know, I'm thinking of different ways to do that. It could be conversations, but it could be, uh, you know, uh, a a student uh, at home learning a musical instrument and uh, preparing a couple of pieces to play, uh, you know, because, you, you know, in retirement uh, homes, residences, often they will have people come in and uh, play the piano. Or, or play an instrument. Well, what if we could do that virtually so that uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, residents could be gathered around uh, a, a screen and, and uh, Amy uh, is going to play the violin and, uh, you know, and then we're going to go over and listen to James play the piano. I mean, there's just so many things that you could do. And, and you know, kids, kids are, are learning. They're learn, learning the musical instrument. They have an audience uh, and the relationship is built. Stephen, you give, you've given us some challenges and some things to consider, and I'm so very glad that we're having this this conversation on relationships that we have so much more to talk about and, and really have only um, approached the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. So a, as we prepare to close... Do you think it's a conversation, um, especially like with middle school and high schools, you think it's a brainstorming session? Um, you know, that whole piece about students owning the learning and being a part of the conversation. But but what can teachers do now to prepare and partner with students when they return? I think finding ways and and really imagining ways and, and you know, in the in the hours that you that you might have to relax a bit just throwing around in your imagination turning around in your imagination two or three ways that given let's say the worst case scenario is that we're virtually connected again uh, in september what are the new ways that we can build those relationships with with students so that we know what they need, we're not going to be able to uh, to service all of their needs or to be um, everything to every student. But how do we as teachers, in the reality of our current technological situations, uh, think of ways to relate and connect? And I'm just thinking of one of the quotes I mentioned, Martin Buber and the book that I'm reading, uh, I and Thou. He has a wonderful quote in there, and he's he's a philosopher, um, uses uses the language of his Jewish faith um, to, to express what he thinks. But he has this wonderful quote that kind of connects this. When two people relate to each other authentically and humanly, God is the electricity that surges between them. So how do it is powerful. And so how do we think about our return to school with those authentic human relationships in mind? And, and that's really going beyond the surface. And I, I think 
we need that. I think our kids are thirsty for it. And when we can be the conduits and the connectors um, of fertilizing, cultivating, revitalizing uh, broken relationships and what, how, how empowering is that for students? And, and, and by doing all of these types of things, Stephen, we're addressing the social emotional needs of, of students and, and even parents and building that confidence and yes. getting to the core, you know, relationships are at the core. So if we're nurturing those needs, um, that that's where we start that yep. that's where we start and and i'm so excited about that thank you Stephen, for such a great conversation such a necessary conversation and i, I definitely and i'm certain that we've inspired uh some of our listeners so listeners as as you're soaking all of this in if, if something has resonated with you uh Stephen and i both are on twitter so please tag us and share um some some something that resonated with you, some ideas that you have and ways that you can think of to um, really connect with students and, and the community in this power of relationships. So Stephen, uh, absolutely, absolutely. What a great conversation. And I'd love to continue our, our, a few of our upcoming Saturday conversations, just delving into all of the different facets. This could go on um, endlessly even. So, Stephen, thank you for joining me as always at Intelligogy the Podcast, where together we will disrupt educational normalcy. Until next time, Stephen Hurley, thank you for joining me. Thanks, Tracy.